You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning, everyone. God bless you, Chuck. And as you heard, today is hope. And now here's what we're we're going to do. We're going to have hope this week. Uh, It'll be followed with peace, and that'll be Rick B. And then we're going to... uh, Nope. Linda is going to do peace, and then Rick's going to do joy. And so, and Rick will finish back again, Rick Francis, with love. So, today's hope. And um, if you've got an Advent booklet, we aren't necessarily pr- making our sermons identical to that booklet. But I, I think it's really a great thing to read. And I'm going to just give a recommendation. There's, every single week, there's a verse or two that I think it's a good idea for a whole week to make that your morning verse each and every week. So, oh, that's the booklet. Okay. So, and she mentioned Advent's really the season of expectation and preparation for the coming Messiah, which is the kingdom of God being established on earth in the person of our Savior. And that's Jesus, the Son of God. And that's what Advent is. It's a preparation and expectation. And the hope of the season is found and breathed in the promises of God. Now, when we talk about hope, it's like this. You filed your taxes, and you know you've got a refund coming. So now, Jim Coleman, at spring break, he's going to go down with the college kids and and go partying. And so he asks us and says, hey, can you go with me? My answer might be, I hope to get my tax return by then, so yes. See, the hope is a certainty, but maybe we don't know the timing. But we're sure of it. Now, if I said, oh, I bought a lottery ticket, I hope so, that's not what we're talking about with hope. That's a pipe dream. That's kind of, that was a waste of money. So that's the hope of Jesus just fills the pages, especially the Old Testament. Those early books recorded God's word to his people, his promises to his people. And, the, and one of the books in particular that I've, I, I just love is a prophetic book of Isaiah. And you see so many direct references to the Messiah in Isaiah. One of them was read this morning in Isaiah 9, verse 6. And it says, For us, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. We see these words. We see deity. We see power. We see gentleness. A ruler on earth and in heaven, yet a personal counselor. A warrior and yet a peacemaker. This is the person that we hope to come for the first Christmas. But as we read more of the same chapter, we'll see more of real hope. And that hope is in what's this Messiah going to do? The promises and what the Messiah does beyond just his being. And so if you start with uh, verse 2, yes, it. The people who walk in darkness 
will see a great light. Those who live in, the, in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. As men rejoice, they will divide the spoil. For you, for you break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, as at the battle of Midian. Every boot of the warrior, boot, every boot of the booted warrior in the battle helmet, the cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the shoulder and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness and then on, from then on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This is showing us that a new and eternal kingdom is coming. This, it's a kingdom of justice, righteousness. Um, righteousness is, means purity, goodness, that we don't have the crookedness, that we, want, we have justice. Um, we always are looking at the injustice. How many times you turn on the news and say, it's injustice, injust. And where do we find one good man or woman? We're constantly finding this. He's saying, that's going to come. And he's going to come in a heavenly host. And the sky will be filled with the angels. And light, and this, this, he will come in the darkness bringing light. Then he moves on. This is not, this, he doesn't stop there. This is, it gets better. He goes to chapter 35, and he says, Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. Strengthening feeble hands steadying weakness, proclaiming and encouraging the faithful, opening eyes, unstopping ears, causing the lame not just to move, to bound, to leap like a deer. Cause the tongue to shout with joy, not just speak, to shout with joy. The power and hope is in the promise of God. The kingdom power is what this season is about. I'm going to go one more place because it's everybody's favorite. Isaiah 61. Because Jesus uses this one to tell us this is his mission. This is his hope that lives in the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me because the Lord, because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn 
to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This forms the mandate of the Messiah, Jesus. This is the hope of the world. Preach the good news. Bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim to the captives. Release prisoners. Proclaim God's mercy and favor. Proclaim God's justice and defeat of evil. Comfort mourners. Give and release a new spirit. Praise, joy, hope in the rebirth in righteousness. This is the hope of Christmas. The hope is found in the promises. We're seeing a Messiah that's going to shatter the current world order of that day. Destroy the current world order. He's going to, enlo- he's going to, engage, in, in the, he's going to engage and battle the current structure. He's going to go face to face with it and, and overcome it. And that's going to be to destroy the works of Satan. See, and this hope came in the most humblest form. Came in a baby. Most expected a warrior that would cast out some earthly oppressor, namely the Romans. But Jesus' battle is not with flesh and blood. He told us that in Ephesians 6. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The confusion of the Messiah was not in his promise, and it was not whether he would keep, it, would keep his promise. They expected Jesus to attack a different enemy. But Jesus didn't, didn't look at his created enemy, or his created people, as an enemy. He looked at those as those to be saved. So he looked at oppressive Roman guards and said, those are my children. He looked at Samaritans and said, yeah, those are my chosen people too. He's looking at each and every one of us and saying that very same thing. You see, Jesus did just what he said. He went in, he went into the, he went right into the, where the strength of the, de- the devil was. He went right into the strength of his dominion and started shattering things. He started casting out demons and said, you have no place here. He, he healed the lame, gave sight to the blind. He raised the dead. The devil was defeated in the desert, in the countryside, and in the cities, even in the temple. Everywhere Jesus went, he was defeated, taking territory, defeating, taking territory, defeating and taking territory. Dying all night. And, and if you have any question whether Jesus proclaimed himself as Messiah, you only have to listen to what uh, was recorded in Luke chapter 7. You see, John the Baptist was in prison. And he was about to be killed. And in the confines of those prison walls, he started wondering, where's my miracle? I've had that. I know those walls. Not exactly a prison wall, but the the, the confinement of saying, where's my miracle? So he sent someone out to Jesus and said, are you the real deal? And Jesus answers him and goes, go and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Yes, I'm the real deal. And we have to look at this and say, he is the real deal. 
And you can parse it any way you want. Jesus proclaimed himself as Messiah. He said, it is done now. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of God broke in in the person of Jesus Christ. And with that came kingdom power. With that comes kingdom justice. And with that comes an, a host of angels that lit up the sky on the day he was born. He came humbly, but heaven was excited. And Jesus, in that little place, began something that would change the world. Kings would come and bring him gifts. They would come to the little house in Bethlehem where he was at and give him gifts. He would, he would be under attack, but always the king. And he received those gifts as the king. Don't forget, the wise men that we, we saw come back about a year later. You got them there too early there, Linda. Anyway, I'm joking. <laughs> they brought gifts for a new king. Mary and Joseph received those gifts because they knew Jesus was a king because of the prophecy given to them. We forget that, that they took that gift and didn't bat an eye because they knew that Jesus was the new king. I, there's a problem though, isn't it? It's not finished. But the promise still lives. The promise raised from the dead and sits and governs and administers the New Testament, or the New Covenant, I'm sorry, from the right hand of the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to, to govern on earth. The promise is in his family. All of his kids the body of Christ. The promise lives in us. You may have not considered this, but the hope of Christmas now resides through the Holy Spirit working through us, the Jesus working through us, that we have become the hope of the Christmas. And, it, and we, had, we need to accept that responsibility. Let's look again, Hermie used use this from last time, but Matthew 16. And that's where he's asking, who do you say I am? And he says, but who do you say I am, Peter? And he says, you are the Christ, which means the Messiah, the, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, or better words, I'll build my assembly, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. Right then we see the transfer of the mission, binding the brokenhearted, loosening the prisoners. That authority and that responsibility has now been moved to the, to the church, his assembly of people that meets in this building. The church is every one of us. The word ecclesia, I think it's, I don't know, we'll get to it. Anyway, means assembly, and it gets translated church. So many people think the church is brick and mortar. The church is all of us who happen to meet in brick and mortar. So this is the place where the church meets. This is not the church. And so he's, he's given us the mission to fulfill what Isaiah 61 says. 
And there's a lot of aspects to that and how the church is doing that. But this is the exciting part of this, is he's equipping us with the Holy Spirit that we can do this. And that's, and that's where we are for Christmas. Is we, we've got to come into Advent and start a renewal process in our own hearts to recognize we carry the hope. We're going to carry the peace. We carry the joy. And we carry the love of the kingdom that was established by Jesus as Jesus. We're not deity, don't get me wrong, but we are moving in a Christ likeness and we are filled with a deity that gives us the power to do just that. And so you have become the hope. I just, I find this so exciting, really. Um, I'm sometimes almost overwhelmed, I hate to say that, but because I, I look at sometimes, I'll look and go, what am I doing? Because you never feel like you can do enough. I don't know if there's any of you guys ever feel that way. If your name's Lisa, you might. But, <laughs> but, but at the same time, he keeps giving us mission after mission after mission. If we're obedient, they'll fall into place. They don't need to take forever, every time. But the, half the time we go, nah, that'll never work. God, you should know better than that. Because we're always arguing with them. I know, I always argue with them anyway. So what we have, though, is when he talks about the spirit on him, we have a new spirit dwelling in us. The hope, peace, and love of that spirit dwells in us. The spirit that Jesus talked about when he stood up in Nazareth and read Isaiah 61, that spirit has anointed all of us and indwells all of us. You know, if we look at our place in the kingdom, and if you break it down, there's essentially four parts of this, of the body of Christ. And the first part that you see there is gaining that new spirit. That becomes our personal transformation. Born again. I was born again in 1999. Uh -huh. I was a month shy of my 45th birthday. So I know what all the other nonsense is like. You know, I hear these guys telling war stories. It makes me sad. And I'm like, I don't remember any good stuff back then, really. I mean... There were glimpses of goodness, but most of it, it got washed away by something else. But this is a time where we had a renewal of our mind, our spiritual formation, and we allow God's will to be done in us. By spiritual discipline, I'm just talking about the little things that keep us in relationship. We have spiritual discipline, those of you who have parents alive, with them. If you ever have a day like, oh gosh, i got to call my mom. I don't feel like calling mom. But as soon as she says, hello, you're so glad you called. That's what spiritual discipline is. It's the maintenance of your relationship. And then we have to do that with all of our relationships. I got to talk to my wife and, and spend time. I mean, I have to set time apart. Sometimes I come home from work and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like listening to this. But it's an important, integral part of it. Then we get to talking, and she, you know, my wife, she's just giggling and laughing and everything else, and it's all, it's all good again. But we have to have our disciplines of time with Christ, building our relationship. And the renewal of our mind is so important. I wish I could, you could really get a capture of this, because this is where our worldview shifts. I have, I have what's called monovision. I had LASIK surgery and my eyes were terrible. So I've got, actually got one eye that sees distant and one eye that sees up close. 
And what happens is, so if I close this eye, I see everything good. Close this eye, you're all blurry. But your brain filters out the blurry stuff and you see just fine. It's, it's a, amazing how that works. It's sort of like if you're standing on a corner downtown and you and I were talking and then we're tape recording it. And you listen to that tape recorder, all you can hear is the traffic, the noise of the cars. You can't even hardly hear the voices because we filter it all out. What happens though is one eye's focusing on one thing, one eye's focusing on another. As we renew our mind, our will and Jesus' will comes together and we start to focus on what he focuses on. And that renews your mind. For everybody, it's different. Some it's like that. Others, it takes a long time. Me. Because <laughs> I was too smart for God. So, but he, he, he solved that problem. <laughs> but, but that's what happens. Suddenly, you see things in a different perspective. This is not about Republican, Democrat. This is about righteousness and justice and the worldly way of doing things. This is kingdom versus the world. And that's a change that's, that happens. So then we move from there to power encounters. Jesus encountered. Jesus battled. Jesus went up against evil and said, no, get out. You know, he's like that, those movies, get out. You know, but he did. He, he went to, to demons that everyone was afraid of. Remember the guy at the graveyard? Everybody's afraid of this guy. He just goes in and casts out a centurion full of them. They all jump into pigs and go in the water. So we've got to confront the works of the evil one. We, you know, you want to know the hope? You want to have some value in your salvation? We have a king that can defeat cancer. And you want to, if you have a cure for cancer, would you tell everybody? We do. We pray and we see cancer being healed. In you, we've seen it in me, we've seen it in others. If you, why do we keep this stuff quiet? I can't wait to tell people. I mean, this is big stuff. We can encounter evil all over the place. Someone at work, ah, back's hurting. Boom, encounter it. We can encounter depression. I'm not saying we, you're not psychiatrist, but you know what? He'll give you a word of knowledge and he can say, this person needs some help. Do you know why this person's not effective at work? Because that person's got a, a father that's a drunk and he lives with a father and he's totally depressed on his own. And I just had that conversation with somebody. And that person came back alive again and started making some money. Not, not, I'm not saying money is the end of all, but what happened was he started functioning again. He started saying, yes, I can. He's going to move out from his father. I got, I got to earn a paycheck. He, he's real, recognized he's got to break away. He and I had a conversation about hope. I'm talking to a lot of young people that don't have hope, because, but we can confront this. I mean, we're, we can become people of the coming age. Jesus is the future, the present, and the past. And he loves to smack the, the future age right into us when we least expect it. We've got to cooperate with it sometimes because right sometimes we don't expect it. We really don't like it. But, and then there's love and forgiveness. As only Jesus could. That takes Holy Spirit power. That takes transformation. That hope is in us. 
And then we can, live, we can love in a perfect way, not manipulatively, not I love you because you're going to do this for me. I can love you because you are a child of God and I want to see you stop suffering. That's a different kind of love. And we can be that Christmas time. Then we got social transformation. Do you realize how much social transformation Jesus started? We literally, we were just mentioned this, we, we walk on a mountain of a Christian ethic and that, to the point that people think that's the normal way. It was never that way. We think people are, well, people are naturally good. No, they're not. And as soon as that, that, that mountain starts to sink a little bit, we see it. But here's what we have. We have, we have a, a culture in Christ that women, for the first time, are given equality. For the first time in history. Even in the Jewish faith, they had a prayer that they said every day, thank God I'm not a woman. They prayed that, to thank God I'm not a woman. And if you read some of the old texts, there, were Jew, there, was a, there was a Jewish thinking that because women could not participate in the circumcision, they were not really chosen people of God until a man chose a woman to be a spouse, then she would be grafted into the chosen people. Jesus made you all equal. Not only that, slaves, he, why, do you, why do you think we've ended for almost all slavery? They were all faithful Christians of Christ that said, this is unjust. Will it be Wilberforce? Will it be any, anyone? As a matter of fact, our own civil war was almost a religious war. People don't realize that. At the time, we had 92% of the population attending church. The northern churches said the Bible read slavery was wrong. The southern churches thought otherwise. And that, there was a clear clash of that. And it's, it, it's, historically, it's been kind of tossed to the side. But that was really important. When you hear some of the songs that they sang, their battle songs because we were right and you were wrong. That, that clash was there. But let me make, we ended so much. Social justice is still important. It's, it's, we have more going on in this world that is incredible in slave trade. We don't do it necessarily with legislation. We do it with a culture of Christians, being Christians in the world and letting the light shine in the world, in the darkness, like a baby that came in the middle of the night and started a, a stream of light that changed the world. Each of us can be babies in our own way and grow into the position that we, we ignite things to happen. Sometimes legislation is necessary, but I'm just saying we, we, we change the culture. The church... It's a scary thought when the church starts to bend to the culture instead of the culture moving because of the church. And that's what has happened for centuries, and it's time for us as Christians to recognize the power of the Holy Spirit is to defeat the works of the evil one, and most of this culture is part of that evil. Uh, that, that evil. And the last part is evangelism. Oh, yeah. And quite frankly, that's where the hope lies. If I've got all the gifts in the world, but I sit inside my house and count my money and look around, hey, I'm, a, I'm the greatest artist in the world, look at me painting, and don't share it with the world, I'm worthless. You know why? I have, a, I have zero love. If I have love of any kind, I've got to share this. I have got to share this. 
It can't be held inside. And it, it's, I don't know how any other way. Here's, here's what the Advent is. It's us giving it away. It's us having introspection, renewing our own hope, renewing our own joy, renewing our own peace, and activating the love of the Holy Spirit, and then sharing it. That's Christmas. And it's explosive. People always talk about, oh, it's the spirit of Christmas. That's a real spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. And he does move around to to, to people and, and stir them. You know, how many people do you run into? Not talking about Christians. I mean, I'm just talking about regular people. Talking about the commercialism of Christmas, and they don't have—they haven't been in church for three years. It's not supposed to be all commercial, because the Spirit's telling them we we really have to make Christ seen in our lives. And unfortunately for me, I I'm, I, I have a, occasionally a short temper or short, a lack of patience. And sometimes what they see is someone who snaps at them. That's okay. Go apologize right away, though. You know, don't say, well, that's just me. You can't take it. That's the way it is. No. That's an idiot. (laughs) Go and apologize. This is an exciting time for us, the holiday season. Because really, our radar has to be up. And I'm going to tell you why. I, I've shared this a little bit with, with uh, the Bible study group. Yay. You know, so many people out there walked away from the church when they were in their teens, maybe early 20s. I did. My family went to church. We were Catholics. We went to church every Sunday. I was an older boy. I was in the boys' choir. I was active in CYO. I mean, I was part of the church community. I walked away from it. But every Christmas... I'd hear certain songs. I'd hear certain things. I'd sense certain things. And I was constantly being pulled back. And I'd be, and I've told them, I'm sitting in bars with people in December, you know, drinking away, uh, having, you know, not having been in church forever, and everyone there says, eh, I need to get back to church someday. One of these days, I'll get back to church. They have a longing and a need for it. This season pulls people back to a memory. That's the low fruit, folks. They already know who Jesus is. And you know what they miss? We all missed it. We have no hope. When you're trapped in alcoholism, drugs, when you're so worried about the world and how much money, I, I, I got to make more money, I got to make more money, I got, I got this little small house, I need a bigger house. When all that stuff entraps you, your hope slips away. Your joy dies you have no peace, and you, you can never live in, a, in love in a perfect fashion. Your love then becomes manipulative. I'll do this for you if you do this for me. How many times have you ever heard that? Oh, I'll, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. That's not, that's not Jesus. Jesus never said, Peter, scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. He said, on this rock, I'm building my church. And I want the last thing about this whole thing about building my church. I talked to Rick about this. For some reason, I always had this image of that verse that says, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Okay? I always had this picture like a castle under siege. And everybody's in there and the arrows are flying and the church will stand. That's not it at all. The church is constantly taking ground. And anything that comes up against it, it defeats and knocks it over. 
It just keeps moving and keeps taking territory, moving and taking territory. That is who we are as a church. Defeating the work of the evil one, bringing the message of Jesus Christ, bringing life into dead bodies. We're not making good people out of bad people. We're making living people out of dead people through the power of Jesus Christ working through us. And the Holy Spirit is moving in you right now, and you know it. Because you're thinking, there's some people I need to talk to. There's some family members that need to, I need to talk to. There's, there's someone out there I need to talk to. And, then, and it couldn't be a better day today to have hope than to have a couple of baptisms. What expresses hope better than this? I mean, that's just amazing. You know, in, in, uh, we were just studying this. We're studying uh, 1 Corinthians in our Bible study. We're in chapter 12, and it says, it's talking about the unity of the body of Christ. It says, you were all baptized by the same Spirit. And in the actual words, it says, is you were watered, you were, what was the middle one? It's sort of like sh- showered or, or something like that. And then the last one is imbued. It gives three different ways that the Holy Spirit, and it uses water to do it, has covered us. The Holy Spirit works in us in so many different ways. But the one way he always works in us is the promise of Jesus. He tells us what Jesus said and reminds us of his promises. What he promised each and every one of you personally. He's promised each of us this. And that started with a little baby that broke into the kingdom of God after no one had heard from God for almost 400 years. And he said, here I am. It's time to get this thing going. And, and so we have the kingdom now, the kingdom not yet, and we are part of that kingdom, and we're part of that not yet, and we're rolling right with him. He's the head of this. He's, he's the head. We're the body. I mean, and he's saying, let's rock. So. Let's pray for a second. Right? Father, we're, just, we're alive in you. We were dead and you made us alive and you raised us up from the, from the grave and then lifted us up into the heavenly realms. That we get to be right there with you. Father, we just express the joy that you give us because we know your promises. I like that check that's in the mail. Yeah. We just thank you, Lord. We ask right now that there's each of us is empowered in a new way. Each of us, each of us, it doesn't take courage, it just takes obedience. And we were just going to say, we're going to be obedient to your word, Lord. We're going to find people that would love our touch. We're going to find people that would love to hear from us. We're going to find people that need healing. Their emotional hearing, their souls are broken and their spirit is gone. That need to hear a message of hope that's real, a message of hope that's eternal, and a message of hope that will give them a life that will change their world, their spouses, their children, their families. This is not a single one-on-one. Every time that someone is moved by the Spirit of God, their, their people, their clan are changed. And so we're asking, Lord, move in each and every one of us. 
in a special way today. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes. 